This is To The Point. A Rhino experience. Voted one of the top home services marketing and operations podcasts. Cutting through the bullshit and getting to the point. Hey, what's up To The Point listeners? It's your boy Chris Yano, the host of To The Point Home Services Podcast. We have already derailed (coughs) pre-podcast multiple times. Paul's coughing into microphones, so I'll go ahead and... Paul... What's today, gonna, what's, what's today going to be like? Well, I mean, we should just go ahead and call out. Today's a little different, kind of the same, but it's the first time we've ever recorded on a Friday. It's because we have a special guest, Chris's boss. Oh, my gosh. No, that's not true. Um, but we are re- recording this on a Friday. There's literally only three of us in here. Um, yep. And uh, it's kind of nice, actually. There's going to have anybody being loud outside. So, um, yeah. But we... Listen, we are going into part two of our four-part series with my friend, Mr. Kenny G. Oh, yeah. Smooth jazz. Okay, okay, not that Kenny G. Um, But (laughs) with Kenny G. Uh, My man, my friend, Mr. Ken Goodrich from Gettle. Gettle. G-O-E-T-T-L. Gettle. It's really hard to spell kettle. It's made of metal. Have you doing so? Don't settle. Call kettle today. Hey, hey. hey. <laughs> CEO of Gettle. If you don't know, now you know. Ken, welcome back, brother. Thanks, man. Hey, so here's what I'm going to do real quick, though. I'm not going to tell the whole story. I'll just tell the, the last part of the story, and then next, some podcast down the well, we'll I'll tell the first part of the story. How's that? Let's do it. All right, so so when I went to the auction, you know, that was an asset of the deal. And I said, well, how's, how, tell me about this guy. And they said, well, he's, you know, he's athletic and he's this, that, he's 66. And he, um, but he just had a pig valve put in his heart. I'm like, stop. You had me a pig valve, right? <laughs> so we went through this course of the time, and I told you the rest of the story. But my friend the other day said, man, I, I, I have to get heart surgery. I have to get a, uh, a uh, valve put in my heart. Now, back to the other story. The other guy has lasted from 2004 to date, right, with the pig valve, which is not supposed to last that long, I understand. So I, I tell my buddy, I go, look, whatever you do, Get the pig valve. <laughs> the pig valve is working really good. I can't wait for our listeners to hear the first part of the story. If that sounds really odd, it's because you missed the whole first half of it. It's too good to not share. So we'll tackle that on part three. <laughs> good luck editing. That's that. where we're starting Ryan. today. That's where we're starting today. So listeners, uh, welcome back. We're going to hit on the seven centers of management attention part two. Where we're going to focus on money and marketing. Um, and originally what we're going to do though is, uh, oh, actually I want to do a, give a quick shout out. I had somebody send me something really nice in the mail and people have sent me some thoughtful things anyhow. So, uh, but a guy uh, by the name of Guy Fashano who's out in, I think he's out in LA, uh, sent me like this little, like almost like a Swiss army knife, but it was a rhino. I don't know how to explain it, but it was pretty cool. Like, so I want to give a quick shout out to him. I think he works for the company, uh, Mailer Systems Inc, direct mail, stuff like that. So it's quick shout out to them for being, uh, kind enough to send me a cool, thoughtful gift, but First things first, because for the sake of time, and I have to cut out on time today, um, we're going to hit on, again, two things, money and marketing. But the first thing, KG, is we're going to start with money. Well, we may have to edit that one. <laughs> can, I, can I say it again? <laughs> first thing we're going to start with is money. In my money, in my money. Okay, that well, lyric. can't win them all. Can't win them all. But let's go ahead and jump right into it too, because when you say money, I use air quotes, Kenny. Uh, when you say money, you mean profit, right? No, uh, you know, I, I'm, I mean, you wait. Know, so I asked that question, so then you could say, okay, I got you. So when you say money, what do you mean, Ken Goodrich? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, all the aspects on uh, the the money portion of a business. Remember, we're talking about the seven centers of management attention. Attention, So money is one of the the attentions of management, which include leadership, money, uh, marketing, uh, lead lead generation, lead conversion, and client fulfillment. Right. 
So the money, the money aspect. So I, I wrote in the, in the E-Myth book that I co-authored with uh, Michael Gerber, you know, sure. when I first started business, you know, I had this, I had the wrong perception of money. You know, I wanted to be in business to make money and uh, make a lot of money. And I had a vision. I was, you know, mid-20s, and I thought, you know, I'm going to do this so well, my life's going to look like a MTV rap video, right? The pool parties I and remember. all this stuff, right? And, you know, through various events, uh, th- those kind of dreams got trampled. And, you know, I kind of got on the, the straight and narrow to understand the relationship with money in your business and your life. Um, but really what I'm talking about today is the systems of money inside your business. Got it. Okay. <clears throat> so I, we had on a, uh, a guest, um, Keith Mercurio. Do you know who Keith Mercurio is? Yeah. Uh, he's a X-Star trainer he, guy. Or he something. was, yeah, or yeah. I can't remember what he does. He does like elite, uh, like, uh, executive coaching, coaching. things like that. Anyhow, he had said this word egregious on our podcast one time and I was like, what the hell does that word mean? <laughs> So he was on again, and I used it because I learned what the word egregious is. So I heard you say one time that the the, the first thing most business owners do is abdicate the books. What the hell does abdicate mean? <laughs> what does all that? What does that even mean? That's another one of those words where I don't know what the hell it means. So let's start there, and then tell me what the hell you're talking about. Well, it's basically the opposite of management, right? So yeah. management is. You know, uh, you know, a set of a set of processes whereby, you know, you, you you lay out the expectations of the employee, what they're supposed to uh, accomplish, their strategic work, their tactical work, how they're going to be measured, their work's going to be performed, who they report to, who reports to them. You know, you lay out their system. Abdication is, which is what most most of us done have done is let's hire somebody to do the books and they turn their back on the books and somebody's doing the books. They got it. I've done that so many times. And and let me say this, I've made every mistake. Well, hopefully I've made every mistake you can make. Um, And, you know, I've, I've went through this treadmill when I first got started of hiring bookkeepers and never getting the books right and never knowing where we're at and always having challenges and, and it wasn't until I uh, I read a book by Tom Monahan, the uh, the founder of Domino's Pizza, and he said he never made any money until he hired three times more accountants than he thought he needed. Hmm. And and what he was talking about is really having a, a high fidelity on his numbers and understanding where they're at every single day. Hmm. You know your financials. You know, you can't run a business by looking at your financials. You know the. Uh, you know, a one week, two week, three weeks, four weeks after the following month, you know, you need information daily to steer the ship. You know, the way that what I tell my people is if we can't get the financials out and with our other metrics, if we can't get them out within five business days of our uh, last month, we're just operating on, we're, ar- we're archaeologists. We're just, you know, looking at ancient history. Doesn't matter. So, it's really about the systems of money and is what we're talking about today. And abdication is what we typically do. We just hire somebody and we put them in place, say, go do the books, right? One of the most important aspects of business. Right. And so it's the, the, the accounting slash money processes in business make up a system. And you have to, you have to go, before you start business, really set up your system on how all these pieces and parts are going to flow. And uh, so you can have accurate numbers to run by. You pay your taxes, you pay your people, and ultimately have some money when it's all said and done. Can you break down the systems? What do you mean by systems and what elements create the system? So, uh, you know, there's the, there's all the fundamental stuff, you know, accounts receivable. How do you, you know, how do you take in the cash receipts? How do you collect the money when it's not paid on delivery? Uh, how do you, how do you purchase things? How do you pay your bills? How, how do you manage your payables? When do you pay your payables? How about your payroll? How, do, how does that compute it? The payroll taxes, when are, the, when are they paid? What is the weekly, monthly, quarterly, annual obligations of the various tax filings and, 
uh, you know, other pieces and parts that you have to perform to legally uh, run a business. And so, you know, I think most of us, when we get our business going, it's kind of like we, we let Judy handle it. And sometimes Judy comes through, sometimes Judy doesn't come through. Mm -hmm. uh, in my particular case, I had a challenge when I first got in business whereby my Judy, uh, and it could be Frank, you know, like Judy or Frank, but, sure. but or uh, my, a Judy Frank. my Judy, uh, you know, she didn't pay the payroll taxes, so I didn't know. And, you know, mm -hmm. those are the kind of things that I'm trying to make sure that everybody understands they got to avoid, you know. Uh, it's the tortoise and the hare. Do we build the business uh, uh, shooting from the hip and figuring out as we go, or do we stand back and methodically take a look at the seven centers of man management attention and make sure you create fundamental systems to start the business with, and then you're, you're keenly aware of the fact that these systems have to evolve and grow. And so you as the leader of the organization, you know, you need to continue to look at how the business is operating and where do I need to aug augment my systems inside the business to keep up with the growth and where I want to head with it. Does that make sense? So it does. And do you find that at some revenue point, it becomes much more difficult and disruptive to implement new systems? Or what's your what are your thoughts there for the listeners who are listening to this going, man, Judy does everything. I have no idea what she does. I just know she does it. Like, where do you start? Well, I, we have this phrase around our place. It starts bad, ends bad, right? So, you know, yeah. you got to do everything you can to start right. When I, you know, the, one of the missions that I personally have on these podcasts and such and talking about the Michael Gerber, the E-Myth stuff is trying to trying to steer people away from the hole that I dug myself when I started a business that took probably cost me, I don't know, 10 years of my life. And, you know, you don't have to be, you don't have to start that way. So where do you start? And your, um, and your health. Yeah. Yeah. Where do you start? There's many, many systems that you can purchase off the shelf really on for accounting, right? They, I mean, even as uh, even as dark ages as they send you the file folders. Here's the files that you have to keep the paper in, and here they're already labeled for you. And here's <laughs> where they go. And here's a schedule of when the pieces of paper go in those files. You know your your nine forty one files. Your nine, you know all the tax related stuff. Your payroll files. You know. So I would urge anyone starting in business or even in a in a a business that's not. Um, you know, up a mature business to go locate these kind of systems that you can buy them everywhere and just stick with it, implement it. I, here's what we file. Here's when we fill this report out. What day of the month? Here's when we do this. Here's how we do that. And you bring it together to systemize your money side of your business. Well, and you can use a, uh, if it sounds overwhelming, I understand. Um, depending on where you're at in your business, but you can hire like a part-time CFO to help guide your Judy or Frank or Bill or whoever it is. At least so you've got somebody to kind of, I mean, or people in the, even, even people in the industry who are willing to help with these things who've struggled with the same thing, but there are solutions to help to, that you can reach out to help you get your books aligned. Like I, we you, used the part-time CFO for a long time. You can, you can. But let me tell you how I would look at it. You can bring these professionals in, but you still have to have a systems mindset, right? You have to understand as the leader of the organization, what are the key elements of, what are the key elements of my money systems? And I'm going to make sure that this person is installing them and that they're, and, and I'm having some sort of metrics or high level visibility that they're really happening on time. It's a critical part of the business, Right. And so you don't have to know it. You don't have to do it. You just have to make sure that you're laying your people out, your consultants or your, your staff people, like, we're going to systemize this. It's not going to be that you didn't get to the payables yesterday, so now you got to catch up today so you can't do payroll on time and things like that. 
let's systemize it so we know that all these things are getting, all the I's are getting dotted and the T's are getting crossed and all the money possible that's being created by the uh, operations is getting eventually into the bank. Is it fair to say that the pig valve is the money and the business? <laughs> yeah. You gotta have a pig valve. Whatever that you do, circle. get the pig valve. I'm so glad get that worked out. Valve. So glad that worked out. <laughs> it was hanging out there. Um, Ken, you talked a little bit earlier about getting behind and kind of coming out of a ditch. Tell me about the period of time, what, 10 years or whatever you were behind. What did it look like? What did it feel like? And how did you get out of it? Um, well, you know, you get, you get going in business and you get going in business and the, and you start cash flowing a little bit and you start kind of feeling like, you know, king of the world. And, you know, like some of the stuff that I see on, you know, some of the social media groups, you know, the guys get the, they're not Ferraris. What are those other cars called? Lamborghinis. Lamborghinis. Yeah. They get the Lambos and they get this and that. And that's so, that's okay. But, uh, and I did that shit. I mean, I, I. But I remember, clearly remember the day that I had to take my brand new 635 BMW that I bought and I was, you know, big dealing around town in, you know, when I was 28 and I had to drive it to the Ford dealership and trade it for a Ford F-150 with an AM radio and, uh, you know, no carpet rubber mats, right? <laughs> as a work truck. Cause I had to go back to work. Cause I dug myself a big enough hole. I had to go back to work. Right. So, and, and the car was so upside down, they had to add $6,000 on top of the cost of the truck. Cause I was so upside down on the other one. I mean, that's how, that's how it got humbling moment. Yeah. And I, you know, I, at that point I kind of realized like money's a tool, you know, money is a tool for your business and a tool for your life and it's tools to help you achieve your primary aim in life. And the money as a tool, you need to look at the money and your working capital inside your business as uh, no different than I got this delivery truck and I need this delivery truck to, to operate my business. Mm -hmm. I have this, this uh, amount of cash, which, uh, you know, takes care of us on the when when our collections are slow, when business is slow, when I need to invest in the business, this and that. It's not your uh, BMW money, right? Now, when you get to a certain point, when you've created a cash flow machine, when you've created a, a goose that lays golden eggs, you know, then you can start to take some of the fruits of your labor. But you got to put the money systems in place understand what your working capital needs are and keep that inside the business as an asset, no different than any of the hard assets you have vehicles, buildings, vacuum pumps, shears and brakes, <laughs> whatever. Yep. It's just a piece of the business. It's not, uh, it's not something that you can go intermingle with the rest of your life. Well, I see, I see a, uh, obviously I've got a lot of friends in the industry. I see a lot of guys that like have splurged on, you know, cars and just different things like that too. And I look at it for a, well, it, you can be, listen, perception is reality, right? Like that's, that's, there's a lot of truth in the, what is perceived. Um, but I also can see where somebody wants who kind of like you said, man, I've, you know, I've, I've made it or I've, in my mind, I've made it. I've got good money. I'm going to go buy this car. And it's, yeah, it's flashy, it's fancy, I want to show it off, but it's also an asset. Like, you can resell that that car, and you can sit on it and have fun with it for a while, and then potentially take it and sell it. So, I, and especially, like, some of the exotic cars, because they'll actually, if you get them at the right price, they'll, they'll gain in value. So, but it's still, like, because uh, I've considered it. I mean, I've considered doing something like that, if you can afford it, to buy one, have fun in it for a little bit, and then take it and flip it. I'm not saying that you... <clears throat> You can't have whatever you want. I'm just saying that understand that your business is a machine. Don't do it too soon. Yeah, it's your business is a machine. You know, it's a, it's kind of a machine slash, slash living organism, and you've got to make sure that it has, you know, either the pieces and parts or the nutrients, whatever you want to call it, inside the business to make it throw off the cash. It's not a place where you're generating cash and you just grab it, pull it out, and strap, you know, and strangle the goose that lays the golden eggs. You yeah. follow me? Yeah. Right. 
I, and I will say, you know, it's it's a tendency for us small business guys. I'm just say small business people, right? Because, you know, it's a struggle. It's hard. It's hard to build a business. Um, and you just got to have so much intestinal fortitude to get through it. And, you know, for me personally, and I believe it's probably a, a common condition for a lot of other guys is that, you know, you get beat up and you, you feel like you got to get a reward. Like I got to get something out of this. Like I, my, my customers beat me up. My employees beat me up. The job beats me up. You know, I don't have control of it. I got to get something to make me feel some self-worth. And so the first thing I do is go buy a King Ranch pickup for a hundred grand, you know? <laughs> yep. And in that particular instance, I would just urge everybody cause I've done it and you know, it, it's not, it's not a great business move and it's, it's, you're nursing something else that, uh, is not yeah. good for the business, right? Yeah. SmartAC.com, SmartAC.com. If you haven't heard of it, you better find out. If you haven't implemented it, you better check it out. You have to get started doing something. 2024 is going to be an absolute battlefield. What are you doing differently than your competitors? You need to make sure that your memberships are sticky. SmartAC.com does that. Lifetime warranty, insurance savings, filter discounts, 24-7 monitoring that lets you know about problems before the homeowner might even know about the problem. Live tech chat, service providers, all of this with smartac.com. You've got to check it out now. Ken, you talked about money being a tool to help you achieve the primary aim of your life. Remind our listeners, what's the primary aim of your life and how has your relationship with money helped you move toward that? So, uh, you know, this is a Michael Gerber thing, E-Myth thing. And so, so much like vision, mission, values primary you know he focus he calls it the primary aim in life so what what he what he's urging people to do when they create a business to understand that the business is not you and the business is not your life your business is something it's a machine that you're building to that creates uh capital profits and capital to fund the primary aim of your life, right? And the primary primary aim of your life may be I want to be a missionary and, you know, uh, and world famine, right? Uh, so the business, that's the purpose of the business to, to fuel that, the primary aim of your life. You know, sometimes I feel like I get caught in my business and it becomes all I am. And it's not that's not, I have to remind myself, it's not all I am, you know? I think that's a common, that's a common problem. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah it is. I want to, um, and, and, and let me say that thwarts the success of the enterprise because the ego's, it's your, your ego's too wrapped up in it. So I want to ask, you made me think about something. I, I made a, a, um, a post on social media last night. Um, and it's because that's where my head was at. So it's kind of along these lines of, you know, I've had this business for 14 years and, um, I, I mean, it was like, well, I, st I mean, I was at home, my wife's gone, you know, this weekend with a few of our employees here in Cabo and I, um, you know, I go home and I have to work and I guess I don't have to, but I want to, like I have things I need to get done and I've only got so many hours in the day. And if I mismanage my day and my time, that means I have to put on work later on in the afternoon or in the evenings. So like it is what it is at this point in time. So we have a leadership meeting this morning. And I wasn't prepared for it. So um, part of being the business owner is I have a responsibility to uh, be prepared for that meeting, you know, because I'm a leader in this business. And just because a business might look like it's successful on the outside or people are taking vacations and stuff like that. Think about this. I've been on, I went on a lot of vacations in summertime. I try to cram them all in before my kids go back to school. I work every day on vacation, whether I want, like I don't have the option to, and I don't know if that means I'm not managing my business well or what, but I feel like that's still pretty common. Like just because I go on a vacation, you get to go, if it's an employee, you get to go and enjoy your vacation. You don't have to think about work. I don't. It's it's in the mornings and the evenings at bare minimum for me. Did you experience the same things where it's like, because you're cranking away trying to grow this thing and it's like for no fault of your own, you're just like dialed in. You're trying to build the business you're going. You can't enjoy the vacation. Maybe it sometimes is a negative effect on your family. It's a negative effect on your health, but 
finding your purpose, I think sometimes is difficult to get to because you're so wrapped up in like the, you know, the monotonous building the business, focusing on all the things. Here's an opportunity of sales, shiny thing. Oh, I should do this. I should do that. Like, do you think that's a pretty common issue, right? I do. And that's precisely what I'm trying to wake everybody up. <clears throat> Don't do that. Yeah. Let me tell you this. I, I hate to say this, but I have been working on this business for 50 years. I've been in the HVAC business since I was 10. Right. 50 years I've been at it. Well, 49 years, right? right? And I got everything a man would ever want. Anything. Just think about what you want. I got it. And I'm here to tell you it ain't worth it. It's not worth sacrificing your vacations and your family time. It's not. And the memories and the experiences. Yeah, and, and, and as I look back on it, I say, you know, had I known the things that I'm trying to teach right now about setting up starting right, what I say earlier, starts bad, ends bad, you know, start it right so you don't have these challenges. You start right so the systems are in place and you can stand back and say, okay, I created this money-making machine so I can go on vacation and give full attention, time and attention to my family and my wife and, you know, build upon those important things in life, not, you know, the, the five-star resort that I put them in and I hid in the, the office in the suite doing work. Right. You know, you follow me? Yeah. Yeah. But I also wonder, like, is there a point in time when that actually can happen? Like, is there some phase? That, like, the reason I ask that question is, I don't want to take these calls or like, or, but sometimes I feel like in, in, in order for me to keep moving, whatever the meeting is forward, I can't afford to miss the call because getting on, you know, getting time is already difficult enough or getting on a schedule is difficult enough and everything moves kind of slow at, at particular levels. I'm talking like if I have a manufacturer partnership, if I'm trying to do a, an acquisition, like I got, I got it. I don't want to wait to get this meeting. I want to wait until a week later. So I don't know if there's ever like a time where I felt like I can just legit go on a vacation and be like, and do nothing. It's hard for me. Like, well, I went to Peru. I think you knew I went to Peru and I was off the grid for four days, like with zero communication, which by the way was amazing. Cause I, yeah. once I knew like I had, there was nothing I could do. I was 100% bought in to, well, we can't communicate with anybody anyway. So we're doing, and it was amazing. And I came back and it was amazing for a while. And then I fell right back into the same pattern mm -hmm. of working on vacation. Yeah. I got, I went to the Super Bowl recently and uh, got pickpocketed. They took my phone. And so I was there for, I don't know, three or four days with no phone. And the first cup, first day I was going crazy. Sure. And the next three, I, I was the most comfortable that I'd been in years. So I get you. Now I know why you didn't respond so, to my text. So, 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 so when, when it, so to answer your question, yeah, I mean, obviously you get you to get things going and building, you're going to put a little more time and energy in it. But I think really it's about what are you what are you what what are you focusing on? Your focus needs to be on how do I put build systems and people so that those things can get done without me, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to rush around make. So your focus is like, I'm building a machine to to run without me, right? So well, as soon as so the sooner if you all if you start from day one clearly understanding that and your decisions yeah. are based on that sometimes you can't do that sometimes you have to put your name on that spot in the org chart yeah but you know full well you have a goal say that position is going to be filled with somebody else with using this system by this date got it. follow me yeah well I will say I was able to leave for two weeks in this business grew. Yeah, us. you did it. Yeah. I mean, with that for two weeks. So that's pretty, that was leave a pretty. For, leave for four. <laughs> try that next time. That, Don't that challenge gives, him. It actually gives me anxiety just to think about leaving <laughs> for, four, for four weeks. So you know, I got to tell you now. I'm still I, working on myself. It, it's been a long journey to get here. But, you know, the, the business that we're running today, you know, I'm running with a couple of meetings a week, some board meetings, some, some high-level stuff. And then, you know, I'll key in some innovation when I come up with it, and that's it. And so, you know, the systems and, and the management team and such work. Right. Yeah. 
Ken, before we transition to talk about marketing, which is another center of management influence, um, what's the hardest lesson you've learned about money along the way? Well, the hardest, I guess the hardest lesson is kind of everything we've been talking about is that money is a piece of the business. It's a necessary part of the business that, you know, let me go back and say this. I had this mentor when I was first started business and, you know, he was a, in my life for, I don't know, seven, eight years. He owned a, he owned, he, he was a, a, a Greek immigrant, could barely speak English couldn't read or write and assembled the largest cap company in Las Vegas. Okay. So very wise guy, but he said, I was going to mimic him. I'm not going to mimic him, but he, but he said, <laughs> no, please do. Please do. <laughs> you have to. <laughs> wow. Go for it. You're too far in now. Can't be half pregnant. I want you, Can't. I want you to, I want you to put $1 million away. You put your head down and you do not look up until you have $1 million taxes paid, put away in your business. That way, when the winds come, it doesn't blow the trees over. Your tree may flex this way, that way, but you're solid in the ground. Okay? God, so, that was good. I mean, yeah. And so I, uh, so I kind of followed that advice. But yeah, I struggled for a long time till I really started doing that. And then once I got my working capital base, um, then I, then, uh, I moved a lot faster and more eloquently. Did it, it gave you the opportunity to make decisions faster knowing you had, like, you know, you had that like as a reserve, right? But the yeah. key part I'm trying to get across here is money is a system in your business. The financial side of your business is a set of systems or processes that create a system. And you as the leader of the organization need to make sure you understand or the enterprise understands these are the processes in managing our money. And these are the metrics that we run those processes by. And you have visibility to make sure that that's happening. You don't have to know how to compute the 941 tax and this and that. You just have to know these are the fundamentals of money inside the business, and I know I can have visibility that they are happening uh, on time the right way every day. Got it. A question. Did you, did you do any or did you offer any sort of ongoing training for your, like, controllers or financial team or anything like that? I, Because I feel like stuff changes so much. Like, do they just have to educate themselves? There's got to be some sort of ongoing training to stay on top of things right? or to even get, be better at managing the money. Yes. I mean, we, we try to, you know, connect, we try to connect in every piece of our business, some sort of, uh, some sort of group that they can connect with to get, stay up to date, get new knowledge. But I'll say I've, I know that four of, four of our people now, I have, we have funded them to get associates degree, degrees in accounting. You know, these are people that may started as uh, CSRs and, and got into some sort of uh, administrative functions and stuff. And then we wanted to get more into the general ledger and such. And so, you know, and that's paid off for us as well, too. Perfect. Yeah, that's what we, so that's part of our actual, it's a, that's a requirement here is you have to, uh, you have to do education, something educational every month, and you got to report it and talk about like, what was it? But then we also offer education budgets, the same thing. So that way they're getting smarter and better on behalf of our customers and themselves. Yeah. You know, every month they're doing something. And by the different. way, you know what that's called? A system. Perfect. It works out good. There you go. I like that one. Way to tie that up. <laughs> Paul, were you going to say something else? No, no. I'm excited to get into the marketing Yeah, stuff. me too. So um, obviously, again, money is the pig uh, the pig valve in the heart too. It's the necessity of business. And we do get into business to make money. Got to have a pig valve. Got to have a pig valve. Um, but you, you obviously you have to have it. Like you... you Go into business to make money. Creating wealth is 100% okay. You're taking all the risk. You're doing all these things, but you got to have systems in place to make sure you're doing it financially. You're being responsible on behalf of not only you, but your employees, your staff, everything. Like it's a responsibility to make sure that your money is on point. By the way, by the way, just let me throw this at you. You as the leader, CEO, president, whatever you want to call yourself at the business, have a fiduciary responsibility to make sure that 
the money systems are in place and working perfectly inside your business on the benef- uh, uh, on behalf of the shareholders, which may happen to be you. Yeah. So take care of yourself. Makes sense. Well, now let's talk about ways to generate that money. So uh, in the seven centers of management attention, after money is marketing. And so I want to touch on this. Obviously, I'm extremely passionate about it. I have my views on it. Um, But I also believe it can mean, well, people don't really understand. I still think people don't really understand the difference between what marketing and sales and like some of these things. So there's still some confusion on what is marketing. So the first question I want to ask you, KG, is what is marketing to you? So when I first started business, I thought marketing was, um, you know, buying an ad in the newspaper or sending out a piece of direct mail, right? And then as I learned, I understood that the whole concept of marketing is is your brand. You know, who are you? What are you about? What's your colors? Why do you have those colors? What's your, uh, you know, unique selling proposition? You know, what's what are you about? What do you stand for? All that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, fundamental system of the business. Who are we? And you start right there. Um, like I said, in the past, I kind of thought, well, let's do some marketing. Marketing over sense is the overall arching who are we, you know. Um, you know, I work with uh, Roy Williams, Wizard of Ads, and his he's kind of tied it up for me in my head in that, you know, it's it's your story. And so, you know, in everything you do, in your vehicles, in your uniforms, in your advertising, in your uh, your facilities, in how you interact with your customers, you got to hold up the story, right? You, you got to tell the story. You got to yep. hold up the story. You got to be who you say you are. Got to have a red screw. Yep. <laughs> yep. So the marketing is really, you know, thinking about your brand. Now, let me throw this at you. I would say, I would say that that's the funnest, that's the most fun piece. That and lead gen are the two funnest pieces of business, right? Because you get creative and this is my stuff yeah, and it's you fun. feel good about it, right? Oh, yeah. And, you know, um, and it's the most important. So I would say that you, just, did I just contradict myself? A little no. bit. Oh, no, I, but I see why you're saying that. But no, you're going down the right path, so keep going. Okay. So I want you to think about your brand and, and start formulating your brand and, the, and your story from the very beginning. Now, I see a lot of guys, they get, they get focused on that only and not working on their fundamental other systems because it's really easy to put on, you know, the beautiful wrap and the beautiful uniforms and the logo and rah, 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 but have no substance. What do they say? A big hat, no cattle, right? A lot of that going on. Uh, so I would urge you to say, get the fundamental business stuff up first. You know, make sure that's happening before you start pounding your chest and, you know, spending all the money on the, on the uh, wraps and signs and all the stuff, right? So you can actually... Be who you say you are. You can operate that way. So I want to, uh, I'm actually going to skip down on some of the questions I had on here because this kind of ties in with it. Um, obviously, you know, like I'm super active in a lot of the Facebook groups too. I'm in branding. Um, you have a phenomenal, memorable brand. Um, and brand, uh, Gary Vee said, um, the best sales strategy is branding. And it become like a controversial question. So, um, and then Dan Antonelli and, you know, kind of caught, tagged me in this post and said, like, what's your thoughts? Because there were some varying thoughts on branding is like the best sales strategy. Um, it, I heard it's not. It's just a to me, I believe that um, marketing and branding, 
uh, branding, let's say specifically, I think it matters on how long you've had that brand. You have to create it. You have to do it. It's got to be your story to tell. And that is exciting. But at first, if nobody knows who the hell it is to or can't find you, what good is the brand? other than like it made you feel good as a business owner. But if the, the consumer who's looking for you, the brand doesn't mean shit. Like they haven't, they don't even, they got to get to you first to, for the brand to even matter. Exactly. You, you, you got to create the brand before you start at advertising. So you have something to, to show. Yeah, exactly. Right? Cause you're, you're telling a story and you're trying to listen. People make decisions based off of feelings and emotion, right? Like I'm connected to something. Oh, the story is great. Let me keep, or the consistency of it, right? Because there's a comfort in seeing it over and over and over and over again if they don't know who it is. So I believe that when Gary Vee says the best sales strategy is branding, um, I would only agree if that's the long-term strategy. I, I, I agree. I agree. And let me throw this at you to this point. I agree with him 100%. And here t- we're taking it to this extent now because here's what I've learned. You got the right brand and you're able to tell your story in a big way um, and your customers and your message resonates with your customers, closing rates double, triple. Your your right. average tickets go way yep. up. I mean, everything works better. Your click-through rates. Do you even use click-through rates anymore? Absolutely. But, yeah. All that stuff, it it's significant. Like, for instance, when I first bought Gettle, you know, it was, we were running a 2% click-through rate. And I didn't even know what that was. I'm like, 2%, that doesn't sound good. But <laughs> some guys said, well, we're doing six. Well, now we do, we're over 60, <laughs> right? We started at two, we're over 60 because we invest in the brand. And here's what, here's how I'm, in, I'm thinking about it today for even the bigger shops. I'm just looking at like, okay, how do we go in, how do we go into a market and how do we, bang a big drum every single day and uh, let people know who we are and what we're about. Not try to sell them anything, not, you know, R22 or R22 phase out or, you know, summer closeout special. We don't do any of that. It's here, who, this is what we're about, okay? Yeah. And um, so now I'm looking at that piece of the business as a fixed cost. So I'm going to go, how do I reach... 50% of this population this many times a month, day, year, whatever. And that's a fixed cost of the business. So no different than rent or anything else It's a fixed cost. I say that's a baseline cost of the business that I can't, has to be there. And then when I come to you and say, okay, we need leads, then that is a, that's a direct cost. I mean, it's, mar- it's still advertising, but it's still, you know, it's variable. Yeah. When I need it, I need it. When I don't, I don't. But the branding piece of it is static 12 months yep. a year. The, you- brand, the brand is the closer. I mean, so um, every, and I will say, Paul knows this, every single customer that we have at Rhino Strategic Solutions that has a phenomenal brand, like a good, great brand equity, conversion rates and close ratios are significantly higher. Like right. it's not even comparable. Not even in the same ballpark. So it's the what's the gap in the beginning when I'm rebranding? Like how do I do it? Do I not do it? The answer is yeah, absolutely have to create that brand and build off of it. You just got to bite the bullet. It's kind of like search engine optimization. Like there's no quick fix for it, but you got to do it at some point in time. And if you do a great job of it, it'll impact your, you know, your cost per click and things like that, but you got to have it. But branding is so important. So when I look at marketing, I don't just look at it as like this, um, you know, I have to uh, turn on, you know, go buy um, a home advisor. I got to do internet marketing. No, you have got, it's, it's a dual role. Like you got to have a good brand, a good story. Your purpose is probably the keyword that you said. Like, how are you getting that out there in that brand messaging? And then when you have that in place and it's genuine and it's got your core values and all the shit that you need to put into that, like your, the story about your business, then you can start to drive leads to it. And your conversion rates go up because your story's genuine. Your messaging is genuine. It's not so much about, um, I think something you had put in the book was um, quality over quantity. Um, it's just a better all-around all scenario. And you know what? Most don't do it. Most still don't do it. You, you've said it so many times. I've heard it so many times that most still won't do it. They'll just roll with their logo. Yeah, and it's a, it, it's a, uh, 
it's the diff- it's the difference maker. I'm using like a who, who was that president called a difference maker? <laughs> Bush, he called a difference maker. It was anyway. It's the difference maker between you know a mom and pop and an enterprise that you you know you can build a, build on. Yep. It's so interesting to me how you know since we really got into the branding strategies over the years that how when I talk to a customer they they know me. You know, we're telling stories about the brand and me and the business. And they, it's like we're old friends. They might be upset about something, but it's easy, so much easier to get that resolved. Mm-hmm. Had a customer just call me, just sent me a message today. They, they find me on social media from time to time. And I call them back every time. And they just, I can't believe you called me back. <laughs> I can't believe a CEO would call you back. But now, because I'm on the ads, I got to call them back. You said, I'm here for a rejuvenation. (laughs) And by the way, let me throw this at you. Last thing that I'm going to say, not a curse word, but. Oh, please don't curse uh, on here. Okay. So, but kind (laughs) of. All right. So, so I just want you to give a, I give you a perspective on how I looked at it. So I buy Gettle. Gettle's ready to shut down, ready to go bankrupt when I buy it. And, um, I got to fix the brand. It had some challenges. And so I go to Roy Williams uh, and we start working on the project. And he says, look, I don't deal with any limp dicks. So either you're going to be number one or two in your marketplace or I don't deal with you. So I go, okay, how much does number one cost? (laughs) And he goes, million Million dollars dollars, in Rita, right? And so we went through that process, and it actually cost 760000 to get a meaningful reach in radio in Phoenix, Arizona. So we Per month? Per, no, 760000 a, a year. For the year. For a year. Oh, okay. To get a meaningful presence, or what he calls bark like a big dog, it costs $760,000, right? So that yeah. was five, six years ago. We've just spent, I didn't even second guess it. I just said, all right. And we've been spending seven sixty every single year on that little piece of the business, which has really, really catapulted its this brand. You have one of the most iconic billboards, and well, you have the most iconic billboard in Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah, I see it all the time. Yeah, and then when everybody comes in and see, like, flies in from out of town, they see it. They say the same thing. I was seeing posting on the pages, like, here you go. I'm sure people send you that kind of stuff all the time. So, mo- mo- same like your money, you know, you you have to, you know. The money is a is a critical part of your business. It's not there to buy Lamborghinis with yet, right? Right. You will one day, but not today. And the brand and the brand spend is the same thing. It's a fundamental part of the business. You have to do it. You have to build your business model around having this much cash to operate and this brand, this spend to keep your brand up. Yeah, Paul, I don't want to make sure I keep cutting because I'm not looking at you. I don't know if you have no. a question. No, that's okay. I want to talk kind of about the functional areas of marketing. Like, where do you get these ideas from, and how do you stay so progressive? Well, I hired the greatest ad writer in the world, so number one, step one, and I yeah. and that costs. That's a, it's an adult spend. It How's that? Yeah. It's an adult spend. <laughs> um, so that, and then again. I got a lot of experiences in this business. I mean, from, you know, everything from every repair that could ever be done on an air conditioning refrigeration system to every piece and part of the business, right? I've just been in it. So I tell him stories. I will say, and this is what give us makes us authentic, right? I'll be sitting around at night and I'll think, yeah, I remember when my dad yelled at me because I didn't put the screw in the thing. So I'll email him that and he'll come up with the ad about the red screws. Wow. Got it. So same kind of messages I get, text messages I get at night. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I'll send them, and I'm not trying to write the ad for them, and I'm not trying to do your job. You're getting it out of the. I'm your just head, like, yeah. hey, here's something uh, that here's something that maybe you could use. And so in in this particular case, I'll send him stuff. Sometimes he doesn't respond. Sometimes he'll say on it when he likes it and he thinks it's good ad fodder. Yeah, got it. So, uh, hey, uh, producer Ryan, does that sound familiar on getting late night messages on? Yeah. So I got to get out of my head and to him. So in preparation for like this podcast, or the podcast. You don't mind. Put me on uh, like do not disturb at night. And then when you wake up in the morning, you get fresh ideas. <laughs> That's right. 
Sometimes I wake up and I see your messages at like 11 or something like that at night. Like I knew where your head was at. There'll be some 2 a.m.s. Oh, um, those are the different kinds of messages. <laughs> Um, okay, so a couple of things. Um, I'm a, a big believer in a fixed uh, fixed cost for branding because you can't measure in way of cost per lead from yeah, that perspective. And I ta- I'm, I'm just, ta- I mean, I, I can I look at it both ways. I take it out of the cost per lead formula, but I'll look at it both ways. I don't know why, but I do. Yeah, but, you know. Yeah, so you recommend your, your clients to do the same, huh? Yeah, well, yeah, for sure. Because we still you still have to run a branded campaign. You have to protect your own brand too. Um, and but I just don't factor it into the actual cost per lead because it's I can't take credit for that branded campaign. I only take credit for the direct leads, like the paper clicks, the SEO, the social media that I can directly say this person came in through this call tracking number that was a AC repair lead or a drain cleaning lead or whatever. So, but I can't t- you know you can track branded leads separately. In so, in uh, in the two the early two thousand say two thousand two thousand ten, you know we were big in direct mail, so direct mail is what we did. We were pumping out hundreds of thousands of pieces every year, right, and maybe million. But and we had all the metrics. We had a team. They counted every everything, and you know I knew cost per lead, cost per sale, you know everything, and we. Now, when I look at the two, the two with the branded camp, the branded campaign, and a lead gen campaign on top of it, the two are less money per lead or per sale than it was when I was just doing direct marketing only. For sure. Well, yeah. So, but that's the that is the benefit of the long term branding, right? Because it's helping increase your conversion rates and your close ratios and all sort of shit. So it should drop your cost per lead when. And that gives you the luxury of being able to, you know, in our world, what's made us, I think, such a, a successful digital marketing company for the trades is our ability to move levers when you need them to. I need more service. I need more install. I need more drain cleaning. And we can move those levers. But it gives me better projected outcome if you have better brand equity. So, uh, you know, I'm in, so I have a private equity sponsor uh, on Gettle. And, you know, they're they're, you know, a lot of young finance guys, numbers guys, and they're all trying to find the secret formula of business and, you know, and, and improve the operations and such. So they're always jumping up and down on me on, you know, that, like, like there was a conversation recently. We should drop the radio spend in the winter because we don't have as much business, and then we should ramp it back up in the summer, Right. And, and they don't, they just don't understand that the branding is a 360, depending on the year, five days you know, mm-hmm. proposition, right? You got to be branding 365 days a year. And then your lead gen activity, that, that's to maximize the performance of your lead gen activity. Am I 100% clear? So, yeah. because we went in our markets um, out here in Phoenix and Vegas, uh, really you don't want to back off of it because the pool of lead volume is smaller. So if you've got better brand equity and you can kind of, and you can keep pumping money into it, you can actually sustain the growth from summer. So you're not trailing off as much, but you still have to continue to brand your, I, I believe that, you know, a lot of people will reach out to me because they, in summertime, everybody naturally picks up. I believe if you, if you have the right staff, number one, like if you have enough staff, and you can keep going with marketing. You can take bigger chunks of market share in summertime when everybody else is pulling back on budgets and doing the same shit you just asked me to do. Not you specifically, but you can keep doing it. But branding has to stay consistent. It does. And, and uh, you know, when, when I'm debating with the these finance guys, I go back to this. Last year, we spent about $15 million on total marketing and advertising, right? And we only spent in digital. We only spent in uh, SEM. Yep. Is that what you call it? Yep. It's SEM. Yeah. <laughs> AdWords. AdWords. Pay-per-click, pay-per-click. Whatever you want. Pay-per-click. Call it. We only <laughs> spent a million bucks out of the fifteen million. We only spent one million dollars, and the majority of that was to buy our own key name, our, our own name, right? Which I don't know if there's best strategy or not, but that's what we did. But we still grew 56% using our brand campaign. Now, 
I'm not necessarily proud of that because I understand the long-term repercussions of that. And now it's why we've partnered with Rhino to really get our, our uh, lead gen side fortified. And then at the same time, our unit, our Gettle university is really coming up to speed. So I can put enough, so I can put out enough people, people right. to run the calls that you're going to get us. Yep. But my point being is digital ain't the only way. Yep. Yeah, there's like when I say ain't makes me sound. Nope, sounds good. Yeah. Go ahead, you Paul. Mean it. Branding, Ken, it reminds me like going for a walk every day, right? Yeah. <laughs> Even when you feel like you don't need to, which is another podcast. Oh, um, by, the, by the way, hang on a second. Somebody reached out to me. Oh, shit. I can't remember who it was and told me that. Oh, you know who it was? Tarp, uh, Tarpy, I forget, uh, Scott, who's in, um, who's in Southern California. Just went in like to the hospital and had like a, uh, um, the, was it the widow maker they called or whatever? But had he not been walking because of this thing, they said that he might not even pull through it. But because he had been walking, getting himself in shape a little bit, something along those lines where he yeah. directly connected that to the walking group. Oh, is that fucking cool? Yeah, yeah I saw that. That's cool. I mean, yeah. I like I was talking to Dave Strider, he, who's a executive at Goodman yesterday. He says he's lost 77 pounds walking. Wow. I love it. Yeah, what am I? Suffered a non-stem. Oh, my God. His EKG is normal. Yeah, if he, he's like, dude, if I wouldn't have started walking in that group, I'd be gone. That's pretty we're badass. That's a, ramp, that's a purpose. That's a purpose. Hey, that listen, if that's all we accomplished, we did a good thing, right? Yeah. Shout out yeah. Scott. Absolutely. All right. So, Ken, for the listeners who are just starting, newer to business, or just don't have the, don't have the funding that you had when you had that conversation um, with the Wizard of Ads, like, where do they start? Like, what recommendations would you have for them? Well, first, go get the funding. I mean, you know, when I say that, I'm not saying it in jest. I mean, you know, when I started my business, I knew, I knew that smart people go get capital, and then they write, they write a business plan, they determine how much capital they need and what they're going to accomplish, they go get the capital, and then they go put it in the business, and then they run the business and create systems. And that's how it's supposed yeah. to be done. But what do we all do? We all go, let's go buy a van and get it really pretty and littered up and go out, start fixing air conditioners and sell stuff, right? And build a business. It, it's just, it's going about it the hard way. Um, and then I, now I don't even know what question you asked me. I got too far out. What, what was the question? If, if I there, mean, you kind of answered it. It's it's where do you start with oh, limited so, funds okay. as it relates yeah, to marketing? So, and sometimes that's not possible, but I can't stress enough, kind of back to the money thing, to run a successful operation, you got to, one of the key elements is money. It's, it's the working capital of the business. You got to have it. And, you know, working capital can come in different ways, lines of credit. It can come with extended terms of vendors, this and that, but you have to have that flexibility because it's not a, it's not a consistent thing. And so, uh, I would spend the time making sure you got the plan, understand how much money that you really need to fund the plan and go figure out how you're going to get that. Otherwise, it's just a really, really difficult, long, hard road. I mean, there's a lot of guys, I'm sure, that we all know each other in this business. And, and a lot of guys, listen, Anybody who's been, has created a meaningful operation on this business, probably every other business, but I'm going to stick to this one, has a lot of scars on their back. And they don't need to because <laughs> we just all start. We didn't know what we didn't know. We didn't start out right. So please, start out right. So, so I'll go ahead, uh, Paul. We all know and admire your marketing, but in the industry, whose marketing do you admire the most? Who's doing it? just as well as you are. Well, there's a lot of guys that I, that I like, like, um, I really like radiant in, uh, Austin. Austin. You know, I Austin. like their, I like their, uh, social media stuff. I don't know if that gets them any business, but it's cute and I like it. And I, you know, I kind of like wish that mine was cool like that. So I like that. Uh, um, you know, I like what Leland does in Service Champions. It's it's a little different than what I'm doing, but you know, he certainly has a brand and the way he's established himself. It's it's top notch, top end. I like how he did that. Um, 
Morris Jenkins out, you know, but he's a Roy oh, Williams uh, client. But uh, I mean, nobody does it as well as he does. Yeah. Yep. I mean, on and on and on. There's a lot of them. Yeah. But but you know, it's very clear. The operations who make a scaled. When I'm talking scaled, I'm saying, you know, fifty million above. Have a real solid brand and a brand strategy. Bingo. Nailed it. Yeah. So you have to, um, one way or another, like you had said, you need to leverage your vendor partnerships too to try and get um, some, like a 60, 90, like a, some, somewhere you can, they can carry that debt for you to at least you can maintain some sort of cash flow. But you have to have your money systems in place to know what you really need to carry. Like, so that's obviously number one, but even like you have to have that in place even before marketing. Like, otherwise, how are you going to measure? Like, what gets measured? Gets done. Gets done. Um, but so the, the the next one that we're doing on part three is on um, lead gen and lead conversion. So we're going to hit those two. Um, so that'll be a good one. And then the very last one, part four, will be on client fulfillment, um, which is what you're in the game of doing is client fulfillment. Mm-hmm. So um, that'll be an exciting one as well. But I wanted to say this real quick before we end too, because I think we're just over an hour into this particular podcast. But something I thought was interesting is I had a, um, uh, a lady reach out to me who's out in New York city who has recently become a big King Goodrich fan. Um, her name is Robin Murphy. So shout out to Robin. Hey Robin, <laughs> sent, I sent you a book signed just yesterday. Robin Murphy. It's in the mail. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Nice. She, she sent me an email. Said she was she enjoyed the stuff. Yeah, so I sent her a book. Good for you. That's fantastic. So she's been like, like you can see that I'm scrolling through a bunch of messages on her, really trying to persuade me to go outside of my niche of HVAC, plumbing, electrical, and now roofing. And she is in home cleaning, like a super successful home cleaning business, but she's implementing best practices from what you know from you, and listening to you on Tommy's podcast and like so now she's going. But anyway, I thought that was cool that that's kind of impact that's having, but. People are following these same seven centers of management attention, and I'll be damned if they don't work. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Holy shit. You know, remember, there's nothing magical here other than this is a system to look at how to put this business together, these businesses together, and that's what I'm trying to teach. And, you know, uh, by the way, to that point, guy reached out to me from Finland. <laughs> I talked to a guy yes, uh, a couple days ago from Finland, and he read the book, and he's trying to apply the book in Finland, and and uh, <laughs> so he's coming out. He's coming out in the next sixty days and to visit us, uh, and uh, wants to talk about HVAC in Finland. That's pretty cool, man. Not that I want to be there, but just to help him with his business. Well, um, the impact is obviously big. I appreciate you coming on um, and sharing this type of stuff. I love going down this path because yeah, I feel like you can't say it enough. Um, you keep going over and it's not that everybody has to follow your system. It's just, they need to follow a system or an system that works for them and their business that can be measured to help scale the business. And then ultimately, I think that the key thing you hit on is you said purpose. We've brought up purpose a lot of times is, um, you said, Hey man, I had all this cool shit in the beginning. I did all these things. I had a BMW, had to go take it back, get a car, like a truck, find out what your purpose is. If your purpose is you want to make money and live comfortably, Great. If you want to be the biggest company in your area, whatever it is, find out your purpose, but then make sure you make time for the bigger purpose. And that is number one, your health. And number two, your family. Like you need to make sure that you're one healthy enough to be there for your family, but make time for those things. I still struggle with it. I don't got it right, but my, you know, but I know that's what I need to do. But my purpose is to grow the most reputable digital marketing company for home services in all English speaking countries. That's my, that's, that is my big vision for this company. That's what I'm going to do. I just have to make sure that I am also super intentional about um, my purpose of uh, I love to give back. I love to give back to the employees. I love to give back to my customers, but I also want to make sure I'm giving back more to my family and myself. I agree. And, you know, your purpose changes over time. Yeah, it has. Now that I got a little further down the road, your purpose does change. So, you know, that your values change and what you're more interested in changes. So, just be prepared for that. And that's why Gerber even talks about the fact that uh, your primary aim is not, does not have to be, you know, as it relates to your business, does not have to be for the totality of your life. It's okay. 
I'm going to start this business and I'm going to do accomplish these things going to create this much cash flow and this much profits and this much uh, equity value for the future in this amount of time. And then after that, then I will go do my missionary work or get my MTV video going, whatever. <laughs> but, you know, you got to stand back and think about it like this. And that will give you the greatest outcome. Bingo. Wrapped it up in a nice little, neat little bow. Perfect. Don't Thank you, Ken. Don't say anything, Paul and Runa, okay? That was a great that's a great way to exit. Plus you have to you have to pick up your daughter. That's right, I do. I need to go. Do you hear my alarm going off? Yeah. So <laughs> hey, Ken, appreciate you coming on here again. I um obviously like a lot of great nuggets in there as usual. Um, we hit on money, we hit on marketing. So again, next part three is lead uh, generation and lead conversions. So listeners, hopefully you got a lot of good nuggets uh, to take away from this. And again, don't just write it down, implement it, take action, do something with it, even if you fuck it up, try did it try it a different way and fix it, you know, do it again. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and finish with the five-star review. Actually, hey, Paul, you want to you want to take us out on the review today? I would love to. This is a long one. This is from Izzy Boo 911. Five stars or Izzy again, Boo. we wouldn't share it. Title, great podcast that impacts a person to be better and do it better. When you guys started the podcast, I thought, hmm, this will be interesting. <laughs> you too, Izzy Boo. <laughs> but now, wow, I can't wait till the next one comes out. You guys have impacted the HVAC industry to help each other, local or nationally. There is help for every question you have. Thanks so much for connecting the dots. Proud to be a part of this industry. And this is from Aaron. He dropped his name. So Aaron with Elite Heating and Air in Louisville, Kentucky. Aaron, stop by and see us at Service World Expo. Yano and I will be recording a podcast there. We'd love to shake your hand or give you an elbow bump. Sweet. I know Aaron. Aaron, what's up, man? Thanks for the thoughtful message. Why the hell is your name Izzy Boo 911? <laughs> we've got questions, Aaron. <laughs> so I appreciate that's, that's that. That's a stage name. Izzy Boo 911. I really need to get to the bottom of that because obviously it has <laughs> nothing to do with Aaron Courtney. That's his name. Anyway, shout out to Aaron. Thanks so much for leaving that review. And again, listeners, we love it when you leave reviews like this. It's like the most meaningful thing for us and uh, also for our guests to hear those things about them and like uh, the impact they're having on you. So please keep doing that. And until next time, we'll see you.